Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. Oh, baby. First and Pod, Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi. After an old-fashioned, passionate ass-kicking by the Chicago Bears. A juggernaut offensive performance. The franchise quarterback and a franchise receiver and a pass rushing defense and a road win on a short week on Thursday night football. It had been a mere 346 days, Pony, since the Bears won a football game. They're back. How about that? Well, you can put away the Caleb Williams jersey order for now. You hey, they still get Carolina's pick. So still take him and have two dueling quarterbacks, have them. Trade off. I mean, listen, listen, if the Bears get the number one pick, I don't think that there's anything Justin Fields realistically could do that would have them not taking Caleb Williams if they actually get the number one pick. So, so you won't be taking, uh, he's back, uh, victory lap tomorrow. You won't be saying Justin, I mean, I think both both things can be true, like back to back. I think both things can be true, like. I, I think that well, Fields, if he's back, they're not going to finish with the number one. Now they'll have Carolina's pick. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, like yeah. I'm saying if Car- if Justin Fields goes on a heater, and they win six or seven games, mm-hmm. but Carolina gives them the number one pick, they and would still trading take, Justin Fields. They would still take Caleb Williams to reset the clock. Yeah, the guy who's got the upside, cheaper, all of that stuff. You know, but if they if Fields goes on a heater and they win six, seven, eight games and Carolina has the second pick or the fifth pick or the third pick, then all of a sudden they're in a great position. They're in the best case scenario. So this is one of those very unique situations where in all actuality, Justin Fields could end up playing his ass off over the last three quarters of the season and as long as Carolina is the worst team in the NFL, his days in Chicago are numbered. That's interesting. I don't 
I'm not sure everybody nationally understands that, like our entire audience. You know, the Chicago market obviously probably does, but that is interesting. Like he could he could literally get them to like nine and eight. And if the Panthers go two and fifteen, he's out in Chicago. I I think so. Yeah. Uh, wow. You know, now listen, obviously that is like a huge hypothetical, right? Like he'd have to win a bunch of games, he'd have to play awesome doing it. The Panthers would have to be the worst team. Like it it would be a debate, but Fields is at the precipice of when you would need to yeah. pick up the fifth year option. So he's a year away from being expensive. And then you'd be talking about a contract extension next year or not picking up the fifth-year option and going the Daniel Jones route, depending on how he goes. So, yeah, I – but, to, like, listen, like, that is obviously the thing that hangs over this whole season are the two first-round picks. And coming into today, they had a 57% chance of getting the number one pick in a draft with a transformational quarterback prospect. But – Pausing it just for a Don't second. Don't tell Peter King that. He went to Colorado and he thought Sanders was the better player. So in case Pete's out there listening, let's. I'll ask let's him about that. Sure, let's just I'll make sure we get that out there. Yeah. Yeah. But just like. This, they, Peter King also said on my show that he thought if the Bears lost this game, they would break organizational precedent of never firing a coach in season. And it was in play that Matt Eberflus would be fired. Like. There's been so much turmoil around. They were last year's Denver Broncos with Nathaniel Hackett at the beginning of the year and the Russell Wilson panic. Like they were a train wreck. They were a laughing stock. They were a punchline. They they needed this to stabilize the program. And what's crazy, Pony, and I know, you know, ifs and buts and close only counts and horseshoes and hand grenades and all that stuff, but like if they don't collapse against the Broncos last week and they were up 21 points in the second half, if they don't collapse there and they won tonight's game, we'd be talking about 10 days of rest before a home game against a one in three Vikings team with a terrible defense for the Bears to get back to 500 in an NFC wildcard race that's wide open. So I'm not saying they're going to go on a run and make the playoffs, but their schedule is really weak. And they easily could have beaten Denver. Uh, so I do think that they are potentially turning a corner towards not good, but mediocre middle of the pack, which is progress from last year. I mean, really, though, the most important thing by far is after the first three games, it looked like Justin Fields couldn't play quarterback in this league. Coming off the Packers, Bucks, and Chiefs games, and he's been sublime these last two. Now, you could put the caveat out there. It was against the Broncos, who had given up 70 in Washington. But before that, it looked like he was going to be incapable of even putting up monster numbers against those teams. So that's, that's to me, if the season had started, if their schedule had opened with um, Broncos in Washington, and these were the first two games of the season, and that's, those were the only data points. You'd say, it looks like we've got our guy in Justin Fields. He's on a two-game yeah. run. Yes, he's on a two-game run, and he's doing it largely without running the football. So, you know, listen, and he missed some throws. He, he still – He made a lot of them too. Right. He, he, he made a lot of them, and he missed some, and he, he's a big play guy. 
and he just looks comfortable. He's he's setting his back foot and he's ripping the ball out and he's throwing with timing. So there's uh, there's still something there. It's salvageable. Quick quick take on Washington. I know they've got a new owner. It's still one of the we, people. Everybody ragged on the Tampa Bay Rays fans all week because of what happened with their wild card games in baseball. Still one of the worst home field advantages in all of football. Bears are 0-4, and the Bears fans there are going nuts after touchdowns, even with Snyder out. Uh, You've got Sam Howell, who is not going to be the answer there. Put up big numbers the week before. I get that. But the guy has terrible pocket awareness. He gives up a ton of sacks. And yeah, he's ballsy like Baker Mayfield. He'll run the ball and he'll lower his shoulder and take a hit. But he's going to get himself killed playing that way. He won't make it through the full season if he's going to invite contact when he runs the ball like that. Made some plays when they trailed late, just like he did against Denver when they came back and won in week two. But to me, they're going to be back in the quarterback market for sure after the season, likely with a new coach. I don't know what happened to Ron Rivera. What, What is the point of correctly going for two early and then kicking that field goal. Yeah. And then kicking that field goal to turn a two touchdown game into a two touchdown game late in the third quarter. What is the point? I, not a rhetorical question. There isn't I'm, one. I'm like, it's just baffling, man. It's baffling. I just, after that two point conversion thing last week that he doesn't go for, where he claims his team was tired, it, Eric Bienemy's got to be going crazy. Over there, unless he's under, unless he's got a handshake deal that he's their next head coach there, which probably should happen at yeah. this point. Um, and one more thing on Washington isn't the best part of their offense clearly that McLaurin, Dotson, and Samuel is a really good wide receiver trio. Play what's them. Happened to, what's happened to Dotson? He's in, he's done nothing. Well, he had the ankle injury. Then last week he had nine targets, only four catches for 27 yards. And then, yeah, it was did, did nothing in this game. And he's been ineffective. But, like, I just – they're always subbing him out. I feel like there's always just like two of the three of them on the field. I don't, I don't know why they're not a top five, top ten in the league, three wide receiver set team. Like, those guys should be on the field together the whole game. That's that's clearly the best part of your team on offense. Use them. And I feel like for way too long stretches of time, uh, that's not happening. But let's get to the games. Let's get to the slate. 49ers-Cowboys, the latest game of the year after Bills and Dolphins last week. What's your take on the game? San Francisco has looked like a well-oiled machine. They've had four 30-point games. Their defense has been dominant. They gave up a long drive against Arizona, and then they uh, settled in after that on Sunday. Now, just like Dallas, though, look at who they've played in these first four games. They played the Steelers. They played the Giants. They played the Cardinals. They played a a good Rams team. Um, Not a great Rams team by any stretch. Decent team. So this is really, for them, a step up in weight class, too. And 
hey, for everything that's been said about the Cowboys and losing the last two years in the playoffs to San Francisco and how you know it means a lot more to them, yeah, I also want to see Brock Purdy do it again against this defense because I thought he got very lucky in the playoff game last year. And I want to see after Dallas righted itself following the Arizona debacle with what they did against Mac Jones, as I sit here right now and I've starting to I've starting to come around on Purdy and I've given him more credit, best QBR in the league, et cetera. As of this very moment, I don't think he's going to have a big game on Sunday. I think Dallas's defense, when we turn that TV off Sunday night and do the podcast, I think the Dallas defense is going to be the story because I think they'll have gone into San Francisco and won the game. So, I mean, I said last week that I think that the Niners clearly deserve to be the Super Bowl favorites over the Chiefs and that the Eagles have been downgraded for me. And so the gap in the NFC now clearly exists between one and whoever you have is two. And some people would have Dallas as two. So I love this as an early measuring stick NFC game. But for Purdy, there are a lot of us that are doubters, us eye test guys, over the pure numbers. And then the certainly the wins as a quarterback stat, like old school uh, part of the media, which is more mostly like the coaches who actually played the game. And the goal of the game is to win. And I don't care if I throw for 50 yards and three interceptions, but if I come out there with a win, that's good enough for me. Like if Purdy handles the Cowboys pass rush, doesn't turn the ball over, and makes plays down the field and is the reason they won, not because of the defense, not because of handoffs to McCaffrey and swing passes to McCaffrey, but if he is like a playmaker, difference maker, reason they won, that is going to be a data point that those of us that have just been screaming, this is ridiculous, 50 guys in the world could do this in that situation – it's going to be really tough for us to make that argument come Sunday night. So I, I think it's a, if you care about that sort of thing, the narrative of Brock Purdy, this is a huge game to swing those conversations. You could say the same thing about Dak, even though he's won a lot of big regular season games before. Um, you know, he's going to try to exercise some demons here, even though it doesn't make up for what happened in the playoffs the last two years. It just strikes me as a game if we look at the Cowboys since Dak took over in 2016, it just strikes me as the kind of game they win in October but lose in January. And just like I said last week going into Buffalo-Miami, I just felt like the game mattered more to Buffalo because all the talk was Miami. I can I can see Dallas looking at this game the same way. Oh, if we hadn't lost to Arizona – We'd be looked at maybe as San Francisco's equal or close, but we're not because we had the hiccup. We'll prove that that game was a fluke on Sunday night. And Micah Parsons, they're not going to have an answer for him. He'll go out and make plays. We'll shut. We'll, we'll make sure McCaffrey doesn't find the end zone for the first time in 13 games. And Dan Quinn will be looked at as one of the best assistant coaches in the NFL after this game is over. That's the game within a game. It's Quinn's defense against Shanahan's offense. And which play caller gets the better of the other in this one? Yes, I like that you're doing that now. That you well, think the people feels like that? It's, you feel like you should remember so we can rotate. We've only been doing this podcast for over a year, but then they make these video clips, so I probably shouldn't have to point 
Eagles Rams. I'll there ask the go. same question as last week. Are you putting the Eagles on upset alert? Yes. The Eagles, like I, you were on it early with the offense. And I think that what that is, is that Hertz isn't running the ball and all of the mobile quarterbacks are not running the ball. And maybe ironically, the best of the running quarterbacks was the guy is Lamar, who people said they were going to be passing way more. And they've actually schemed some pretty creative ways to keep the running game alive for him. But Fields, I mean, the dude in Indy gets a pretty explosive runner, too. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but Field and Fields and Hurts have kind of been, you know, underperforming in terms of running the football. But the Eagles have been still quarter of the way into the season, a top five offense and a league average defense. And Cooper Cup could play in this game with Puka Nakua. And what is Sean McVay going to do? And he's playing it close to the vest. What's that going to look like? And the Eagles secondary has been vulnerable. So, yes, I think this is the classic, a classic spot. Game expected to be high scoring across the country for the Eagles. Both of those guys and whatever wrinkle McVay could put into it and a vulnerable pass defense for Philly at this point. Yeah, I do think they're on upset alert. So I like New England against uh, Dallas last week, and they lost 38-3. to And I'm bringing that up because what I didn't account for enough was New England's inability to block Dallas. And I just don't see how the Rams block Philly. Yep. After watching them against Cincinnati on Monday Night Football a couple of weeks ago, everything you said about their skill position players, their receivers against the Eagles secondary, you know, even with even, you know, even with the guys they brought back at corner from last year, I think is 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 pretty much spot on. I just don't with Stafford at this point in his career and with their offensive line, I just don't see them being able to run the ball. And I don't see them giving Stafford much time to make plays either. He's got to get the ball out super fast in this game. I don't well, see any I downfield mean, passing. Nakua and Cup are pretty good guys to have yeah. on your team if you need to get the ball out fast, though. But I just could see him getting sacked here again six or seven times and Eagles go there and win comfortably because of it. So I'm not going to put them on upset alert. I think they win. I'm interested into why you frame this game this way. Okay. Jag- Jaguars-Bills. Do the Bills get a pass yes. if, they, if they lose the game? Yes. That's what I'm saying. I'm, uh, you are the ultimate Bills supporter on this podcast You've gone against the narrative of something's off about that team. They've missed their window, et cetera. So here's a chance for you to possibly play Bill's apologist. The Jaguars have been lying in wait in uh, London the whole time. We know how they are with these games. They're super comfortable there because they do it all the time, even though they're like a 500 team in London. But right. This is I, uncon- yeah, I, that's, what I, that's what I was going to say. Hold on. But this is unconventional because it's back-to-back weeks, which has never happened before. Right. They stayed and, over. And Buffalo is coming off a, uh, an emotional win. And if you look at historically in the NFL, just in general, teams that win by double digits rarely cover the next week. It's like something about blowing the other team out affects a team. It's just hard to do in this league to follow it up in back-to-back weeks. And, you know, the Bills were acting like a team that, was celebrating something against Miami. We knocked them off. 
And Jacksonville is pretty much underachieved this year. You know, they've circled this game. So if the Bills lose, are we just going to write this off as, well, they had to go to London and they were coming off the Dolphins win, so it's not that big of a deal? I think the answer to that is probably yes. Yep. Yeah, I got yes, but what do we do in the alternate universe where the Bills win? Is it, wow, that was so impressive? Yes. You think so? In fact, I will give them more credit for winning this game than the Dolphins game. That is very unconventional. I think that I think that one of the things that'll be is like, wow, the Jaguars disappointing again. What's wrong with the Jaguars? They stayed over. They circled it. They did everything they possibly could. More than a quarter of the way into the season, Trevor Lawrence still hasn't been able to get it going. All of that stuff. Like, I don't know what the Bills need to do to get a little bit more credit. Like this year, it's like they got over early. I give them this. I give them a ton of credit if they went there and won. Okay, I would be ready to do that. I mean, it just seems like like a trap situation, big time for them here where they spent so much energy winning that game and blowing out Miami, and now they got to follow it up with a trip to London against a team that's like, yeah, maybe we found something against Atlanta, and we're going to bottle it up and use it against the Bills on Sunday. I just think it's so funny that everyone was like, there's something wrong with the Bills. There's something wrong with the Bills. There's something wrong with the Bills. There's something wrong with the Jaguars. They're the team that's underperforming. They're the team that does not look nearly as good as the hype and the picks, and they could be a 12-win team, a 13-win team. They could be the one seed. They should run away with their division. Like, they're the team that is falling short of the expectations in this matchup, and they could get – I think they could get blown out in this Okay, Chiefs and Vikings. Now, I don't know if Taylor Swift is going to be at this game. I haven't kept up with it like you probably have. Kelsey gave a very terse answer on his podcast – about the Taylor Swift situation and all the attention it's getting. Do you think it actually is turning into a distraction? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. No, I do not. He was asked on his podcast with his brother, and if people actually played the clip, he did not seem stressed or tense at all. The quote read a little bit worse than it was. He was like, I think it's fun when celebrities are shown at games, the NBA has figured it out perfectly. They sit courtside, you show a cutaway or two of Denzel and whomever, and then you go back to the game. This, it just feels like it's new to the NFL. They're doing it all the time. It's a little bit over the top. That's what he said. It was very innocuous. This guy hosted SNL. He wants to be an actor. He had a dating show. He does he does golf tournaments on TV, mic'd up while crushing Coors Lights. He is very comfortable in the spotlight. This is admittedly a different level. I mean, there's paparazzi in Kansas City outside of his house. Like that's that's I'm not saying that's not different and new for him, but he knows exactly what he got himself into with this. 
there's no part of me that thinks Fair Travis enough. Kelsey so that's, is distracted. so that so it's not a distraction to Kelsey, but there's 52 other guys there in an entire organization to think about too. You're saying Kelsey's built for this? Of course he is. I'm just he saying that one- those comments, people. I, I thought that that was a very. I thought that the national talking heads that use that as an opportunity to take a cheap shot at Kelsey for being a hypocrite didn't watch the clip. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't I don't think that he himself in any way is bothered by it. In fact, I think he's eating it up. Like, I, I think he's thrilled uh, by, by all of the attention that he's getting. Because I think he looks at his Instagram account and sees that he's gaining like 100,000 followers a day. So, I think he's thrilled, personally. Uh, the team, we'll see. I think this is a great get-right spot. I love the Chiefs in this spot. Um, the Vikings defense is not good. Their offensive line has been good. Their offense is good. It should be an exciting game to see them against the Chiefs defense. Nick Bolton ex- expected to be back, though, for the Chiefs, which matters a lot for them, which I think will neutralize some of what the Vikings have done on the ground this year. I think that the Vikings are going to need to get into a track meet. I think that the Chiefs are very upset at how they played and executed offensively last week. And there's a huge drop-off between the Jets' defense and the Vikings' defense, and we get to see the Chiefs in a dome. I, I think this is a game where the Chiefs' offense puts up 30-plus. Well, they better. I mean, because I think the Vikings are going to score in this game. I think this is their Super Bowl. Um, I think they've circled this game, too. And they, you got a lot of teams circling a lot of games this week. Well, we're we're at the t- I mean we're at the top of the rundown. Once we get to like the middle and the bottom <laughs> of things, I don't think the circling will be around at all. Okay, all right, a lot a lot of lot of week five circling going on here. But, but isn't it for the Vikings? I mean, it's a you want to talk about narrative changers? If they win at home, who cares that they started zero and three? They'll have a win against Kansas City. You know, you talked about the NFC wildcard race a few minutes ago and how you think there's an opportunity for some, someone to back their way in. I mean, I just think it's a massive game for Minnesota. Um, and look, I'm, do the Chiefs get the benefit of the doubt? Of course they do. You know, I said when they beat Jacksonville 17-9 to and looked like crap, like that was actually a big win for Kansas City because it showed they could play like a C C minus D plus game and still beat a contender. But at some point they're going to have to look good against a team. That's not the Chicago bears on, on both sides of the ball. And I'm still waiting for that. Yeah. Like, I mean, getting the half point here, the line at the bottom of the screen says three and a half. I like Minnesota because all they do is play in close games. I'll take the hook with them. Well, they would not have covered plus three and a half against the chargers. Right. But I mean, they, they played well enough to win that game is my point. Like, yeah, they did. You, you lose that bet, but you don't feel bad that you, the only way you feel bad about that bet is like, why do I put myself through the torture of watching Minnesota Vikings games? <laughs> That's right. It, and it is torture. Uh, all right. Your game Ravens Steelers, the Ravens obviously going up against banged up Kenny Pickett. Do you ding the Ravens based on the quarterback competition they've played this year? I, I think that they're the hardest team to really analyze because all of their de- all of their defensive stats come with this huge caveat of D- Dorian Thompson or Dr- Drell Thompson Robinson 
Right, Joe Houston, Burrow Cincinnati, Indian, Cleveland. Stroud's first game, Gardner Minshew, now Pickett, who hasn't been good and isn't probably 100%. I mean, like they've already lost one of these games that they should win. These yeah, games okay. between these two teams are always first to like 13 or 17 and one possession games. You know, Lamar Jackson only has one win in his career against the Steelers. That's it in his entire career. He's got four touchdowns to six interceptions and five fumbles. Uh, look, he got his money, so he's not paying, playing for that. But just like Aaron Rodgers, part of the uh, appeal to him as Packers quarterback is, I hate to bring this up, but one of the feathers in his cap is that he dominated the Bears for all those years. You're talking about since he came into the league in 2018, he's beat the Steelers one time. Got to come here and win this game if you're the Ravens. Have to. Well, okay, so that I think that's a great angle for the Ravens. So I'll just leave it at that. But your coach, I know he's not, you don't love him, but Tomlin said he, there were going to be changes. And Matt Canada's still the play caller and nobody's been benched and they just did a, a Wednesday practice in pads. Yes, you got that story right. Okay. So he's not going to get fired because they don't do that. I'd imagine his popularity is dipping. What What's up with, like you said 17-13, but I just saw Houston put 30 on the defense. Like, is the defense good? You told me it was going to be great. Well, you know they what I mean? I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm a little confused what the Steelers hang their hat on right now. Well, it should be defense. They have the personnel for it, but they're 29th in the league in total yards, and they've given up 30 points in two games. It should be defense. I mean, there's so no what, doubt. What makes you say 17-13, just based on history between these two teams? Because there's nothing about the Steelers this year that suggests that's the game they're about to play. Well, when they go against the San Francisco system, you're right. You're right about that. When they play either the 49ers or Texans, they can't stop that. But they won. They're two and two because their defense won two games for them. Their defense picked off Jimmy Garoppolo three times, and their defense scored two touchdowns against Cleveland. So you do have a Jekyll and Hyde thing with that. And, you know, I just, I got to see Lamar Jackson play like an MVP against the Steelers on the road before I expect it to happen. Like, they're the type of team that is going to – the Steelers are going to end up winning eight or nine games this year because even though they don't have great talent and they're not well coached, they still will get up for games like this to avoid having a horrible year. And so history, you're right. History tells me that they'll find a way against all odds to at the very least play an ultra-competitive game against the Ravens on Sunday. All right, next up, Danny. Okay. So Panthers yeah, so, and Lions. Yeah. You, so I wrote that, in here that yeah, you're going to like what I have to say on this one. Okay. I did something this week in your honor. Oh, wow. I made a very large bet on the Lions to win the Super Bowl. I'm in. I'm riding shotgun with you, dude. Hell yeah. I'm in. Yep. What number? What do you got? Uh, I got him at 17 to 1, which All isn't right. as good as your number, right? Which no. Yours? No, no, uh, 25. Okay, so you got a better number than mine. But here's why I'm still okay with being a little bit late to the party. 
They're a double-digit point favorite against the last winless team. They're going to win on Sunday. Yeah. You've got San Francisco and Dallas. You also said Philadelphia is on upset alert. Easily in one week, they could go from 17 to 1 to 10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, I think. Right? I mean, if the Cowboys look bad against the 49ers and the Eagles lose, yeah. they'll move up. Well, they got, they got, I mean, yes, they're, they're going to, the Amon Ross St. Brown thing for this game might not be great, but everything else came up great for them on the injury report too. Decker and Vitae both are going to play. So they should have their best five on the offensive line. And it's already been one of the five best offensive lines in football. And Jamison Williams' suspension yep. got, re- got reduced. So, so he's back. So even if Amon Ross St. Brown has to miss a game, they have a first-round pick talent coming back at wide receiver who's super fresh in a game that they should absolutely – I mean, they might they might not need to throw the ball once. Plus Laporta. Game. Plus I feel like Gibbs hasn't really even gotten going yet, and that's going to be something like Kenneth Walker last year in Seattle that I think only gets better as the season yep. goes on. Dude, that's what I've been saying. That, 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 with, that Goff with a good offensive line – is really, really good. I'm in, dude. You, and then you have Amon Ross St. Brown, Williams, Laporta, Montgomery, and Gibbs as skill position dudes with a head coaching candidate offensive coordinator. It's a really, really, really good team. They The defense isn't great, but they – I mean, dude, they could finish with a top three offense in the NFL by the end of the year. And I think, And I think they have right now – I think they have a defense that's good enough to win a Super Bowl. I wouldn't say it's great. I wouldn't say it's like top five or anything like that. No, it's not. Like, should Baltimore have better odds to win the Super Bowl than Detroit? We just talked about the Ravens. They're 14 to 1. It their offense, can you see that offense winning? Four no, I mean, I, I, I could see the Ravens offense being significantly better than it is right now, though after six, eight more games in the in, with the new system, with the new play caller, like getting better as the year goes on. I could I do think that there's room for improvement for Baltimore on the offensive side of the ball. And like listen, Detroit in San Francisco for an NFC championship game, they're an underdog. Of course. And a and, and a and a decent one. You know what I mean? They'd probably be as long as it's not Philly in bad weather, though. I'll I'll be comfortable with San Francisco in January. It'll be like a balmy fifty-five degrees. Golf can play in that weather. He's from there. They could they could win a shootout. They could they could turn that game into a shootout and win. Dude, I'm I'm glad you're on board. I've been talking to you about it since the off season. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm late on things. You know that. I mean, I'm I'm just just saying. I try tried to get you in early. Plus one forty-five to win the division was my biggest preseason bet. I'd love them to win this division. Uh, Texans, Falcons, how far are you willing to take the C.J. Stroud hype? All right. I mean, it's four games. I'm willing to say in a redraft he would be the number one pick. So, like, can you beat – like, let's, like, start turning over our cards. I'll I'll play that card first. Are you willing to go higher than that? Uh, yes, I am. Okay. What are you willing to say? Well, wait a minute. Would you say that him winning offensive rookie of the year is higher than that? Or is that lower right now? Um, 
about the same, probably. Okay. Well, then, so I still need to up that then. Um, I are you just, are you willing to say are you willing to say that the trade with Arizona was correct, or do you look at that as being more about Will Anderson? That's a Will Anderson trade. Yeah, that's different. Okay, guy, because um, I think that it's in conjunction with quarterback and edge rusher, but that's fine. Okay. Um, I think that he could. I think he will throw more than twenty-five touchdown passes this year, and he'll come close to like the Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, year one quarterback. Herbert's number. the one I was that I was. That he was what he was 31, 31, 31 right? Is that yeah. the record? That's the record. And, right? Yeah, Mayfield was twenty-seven. I think. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. Are we willing to say that C.J. Stroud will break Justin Herbert's passing touchdowns rookie record? What do you think? My gut tells me no. Because even though um, Collins is having a monster top five receiving year to start the year, Herbert came in and had Eckler and Keenan Allen, you know, had Williams. Like, that – the skill position dudes on that Chargers team were top 10 in the NFL. That's not what's going on in Houston. And I assume that, you know, adjustments to the adjustments will be made. But their offensive line is going to start getting healthier here. They're going to start getting guys off the IR, which will only help him. Yeah. And their division does stink. They're all 2-2 right now. It's – and what's what's interesting to me about it is, is that – some of the skepticism after like two weeks was that it was all garbage time stuff. Yeah, I said that. But then by four weeks, the film gurus, you know, like the Twitter anonymous people and the Dan Orlovskis of the world were like, oh, damn, this is real. Like it felt like it swung from skepticism to belief in a I game. Think, I think it's the system thing too, man. I mean, I think that offensive coordinator is going to be a head coach by the end of the year. I'm just slowic. Yeah, I just think it's tra- he's 36 years old. I think it's just trending in that direction. Somebody is going to hire him immediately if this keeps up. Saints Patriots is Bill Belichick back next year for the Patriots? <laughs> Let's get aggregated, baby. Let's go viral in Boston. No, I think he's done. I think this is it. Yeah. I think it's it. Yep. Okay. Fired, parted ways, retired. Not retired. He can't give up on Shula, right? He wants Shula. I don't think that... Bill will let it say mutual, mutually parted ways. I think he's too proud. I think it's going to say fired. I think they're going to fire him. Yeah. How is that better for his pride? Meaning like, I don't think that he's going to want to lie and fib about like, oh, we just agreed to disagree. I think he's going to dare crap like, oh, really? You've, You'll fire me, do it, and he'll do it. Yeah. Or can I can I just for a second, I don't mean to like me like make a quick like left turn and meander off like from what was a very good game that you just put me through there. How about traded as an option? Oh God. Would you give up a first round pick for 
How old is he? 70? I wouldn't, but is there a team that would with the Bears? 71. If the I, if the if the Panthers go two and fifteen and they have like the number one pick, and the and the Bears have like the eighth pick, would you trade the eighth pick for Bill Belichick? No. <laughs> You're really going to get aggregated now, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's 71 years old. Guess what? I think Miss McCaskey would. I think she'd do it. She'd get the stability in there, break the record. She'd do it. Put Belichick with Caleb Williams and let's go. Maybe Josh McDaniels gets fired by the Raiders and you've got McDaniels and Belichick with Caleb Williams for like two or three years or four years or five years, maybe even. Or six. Um, I mean, listen, if you told me that you could, if that fields played so well that you could trade him for like the 25th pick and then you could have Caleb Williams, the eighth pick and Bill Belichick, I'd, I'd consider it. But no, man, I want, I want Slowick. I want Ben Johnson. I want Shane Waldron. I so want, do you, so do you think Belichick will be back there next year? I think that the odds still would have to say yes. Why? Based on History. what? History. History what? All the reporting out of there is like I know. Kraft is very antsy. He's like fatigued with having to work with Bill and giving Bill total autonomy with things and not having, you know, football operations people have a say in things like that. And So you're going to fire the greatest coach of all time? With yeah. no with no succession plan and no quarterback of the future and no path out. Yeah, Peyton Manning got cut. Why not? They had Andrew Luck. Okay. They had a succession plan. Okay, so the alternative is just run it back with Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. If no, you keep Belichick no. and you get rid of Mac Jones, what kind of succession plan is that? I mean, what do you think they look like if they have Kirk Cousins? A team that has to like, you know, grip it tight for ten wins and then loses in the first round of the playoffs by about four by about fourteen points. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, I just I think that I mean, does Kraft have the stomach for a long rebuild without a top five pick and not without a future at quarterback and without an answer at coach? I'd imagine he's a little antsy. Like, what sounds better to him? Ten wins or complete obscurity? Maybe he doesn't want to deal with the day-to-day of working with Bill Belichick anymore, and that trumps everything you just said. It might. It might. But you like – I mean, you grand, literally just said – You're saying you there's, ten, there's 10 grand on the floor. You get to pick it up if you're right. Bill Belichick next year, Patriot or the field. You're taking the field. Yeah. And All you right. said there – think about what you said. You're like, I can't believe Kraft would do that. And then two minutes ago you said – I take Bobby Slowick over Bill Belichick. You take a guy that worked at PFF a few years ago over the greatest coach of all time. And now you're getting on me for what I just said? I'm offensively biased. So am I. And so is the rest of the league right now, bro. That's why I think he's getting fired. Okay. But I also I'm also a little bit of an ageist. Like <laughs> I don't I don't want a 71-year-old coach starting over. But if he was that guy. It's like you fell in love and held on to Ben Roethlisberger until he was 71. You know, okay. like that. I'm just saying that's part of it. But how bad was that really? I mean, 
they never had a losing season with him as the quarterback. And yeah, like you knew at the very, very end that you were going to get drubbed in the playoffs if you made it, but like it still wasn't rock bottom. It's not like it was, you know, they didn't turn into the Jets or the Browns during those last few years with him. So, but we'll I'm see biased. If this ends up be, we'll see if this ends up being rock bottom. Like we'll see, we'll see how it ends. Do you think they're going to win this game? I no, get I no this, interest in watching this game. No, I think the Saints are going to go there and win. This is one uh, of the least watchable games of the week. Giants-Dolphins. How effed is the Daniel Jones situation? It's really effed. Why didn't they listen to us when we said repeatedly last year, just franchise tag him? I know. We said it. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, we should run these teams. <laughs> Seriously. I'd be a great play caller. I would never run the ball on first down. We'd be we we could run one of these teams. It can't well, be. Well, I would hard. be perfect for as Bill Simmons created the czar of common sense position. I would just be in there like, guys, what the F are we doing with this? Makes no like just nonsensical behavior. Yeah. I'd have a I'd have a target minimum for my best players. And if my quarterback didn't Randy hit it, Moss ratio. Yeah, he'd be fined significant amounts of money. <laughs> like if Desmond Ritter came back to me at the end of the game and was like, I'm sorry. Drake London and Kyle Pitts just weren't where my eyes went. I just that you know I just I'll work to get them the ball more next time. Sorry, that's fifty thousand dollars. I mean, get they're the saying best they, they're saying things in New York like this could be, um, what was the this could be Ben McAdoo all over again? One great year and then that's it. Well, we said a lot of nice things about Dable though, so that would be uncomfortable. But I was but like. So I said the day we were talking about Caleb Williams, obviously, and like I basically, well, you said at the start of the show, I was like, Fields could go on a heater, be very good. They win seven games. If the Carolina picks the number one pick, they're taking him. And then I said, because every team that gets the number one pick that realistically could get it would take him, the only team that I could see not taking him that maybe could do it is Cincinnati. Like, if Burrow tore his calf in the next game and they lost out, they would not, They would trade the rights to Caleb Williams for a King's Ransom, right? But everybody else, and someone who listens and is a sports media executive in town, uh, texted, he's a New Yorker, he was like, the Giants wouldn't. And I was like, you're out of your mind. Yeah, you're right about that. Like he's and he like was like texting me about the contract. I'm like, they would just have a bad cap situation for two years. Correct. And then they would cut him after 2024, have a 22 million dollar cap hit, which is not bad. Yeah. And they they'd play Caleb Williams, and Daniel Jones would just be the most expensive backup, or they would trade him for a sixth round pick. Like everybody would take him. So. The Giants situation is really bad because they paid an average to below average football player. So they're in trouble. They're in big trouble. Jets, Broncos, do we get a Zach Wilson encore? Yes. <laughs> yes. Dude, no, but, but here's the thing. Denver is abysmal. You know, they're, they're the worst defense in the NFL by far. Why is the total for this game so low then? 
Because the Jets' defense is really, really good. So Why are the Broncos a two-and-a-half-point favorite then? I'll just keep asking questions. Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. We should bet the Jets. We should bet the Jets on the line. I don't feel good about it. I don't think Zach – I think Zach Wilson – just my read on it from afar – I just think he might be the type of dude. I saw him do the gritty after catching a touchdown pass against the Steelers. I could easily see him feeling himself after that game and going right back in the tank Sunday against Denver. Uh, I really think so, dude. I think he just, like you said, heater. I think he has obvious physical traits. I think he just rose to the occasion because he knew that literally like not only the entire football world, but the entire entertainment world was watching that game. And now it's a 425 game with Andrew Catalan calling it. I think he's going to go right back to being Zach Wilson, bro. I don't think so. I, I, I think this is a Jets win. The Broncos defense is trash, trash. And I think that they look at that and like, they're not playing for the for a tank or a number one pick or anything like that. They'll 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 put out a good performance. I, I also think that Denver makes everybody look good. I just saw them up close and personal last week. Uh, all right, I'm gonna you have to go first with this one because I resent the question. Titans, Titans, Colts. Titans, Colts. We love crushing the Titans. Should we be nicer to them? Yeah, so you have to go first. Why should we be nicer to them? Because. They win a lot of games that they really, in our opinion, have no business winning. And when that happens, there should be a level of like, I don't know, respect given to a team that does that on a pretty routine basis. But I still don't want to be nice to them. And I'm rooting like hell for the Colts to beat them. And I kind of think they will because of what Anthony Richardson did in the second half of that game. And now Jonathan Taylor's talking and is he going to play on Sunday? Probably not, right? Like they just started the clock on his return. Yeah, I don't, we don't, we don't, know, we don't know yet. But I mean, my bias for this game is to say that the most interesting thing by far is Anthony Richardson. <laughs> you know, like I just I find the Titans to be um, boring and. <laughs> They're they're well coached and they overachieve and Derrick Henry's generational, but it's just such a low ceiling operation um, that I just, I, I, I kind of resent their success. I do think both teams though are really well coached. I think Steichen's got off to a good start as a coach in Indy, go into Houston and winning. That looks even better now. Uh, what they did in Baltimore with Minshew, getting killed early in the game against the Rams, getting it all the way back to overtime. Like, if I'm a Colts fan right now, I feel pretty good about the state of the organization and the franchise after the first quarter of the season. Well, and, I mean, so they're 2-2, two and two, home against Tennessee, in Jacksonville, home against Cleveland, home against New Orleans, in Carolina, in New England. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think at the start of the year, even though people didn't think Jacksonville was the best team, there was a case to be made that Jacksonville might have been, in the eyes of many, the best bet to win a division. That division feels very wide open to me right now. I honestly, they're all even at two and two. I do think you could probably make a compelling case for all four teams 
right now, even two that are quarterbacked by rookies. It's just a, like, and then I just, just looked after the bye. Dude, this schedule is shockingly easy. So I just gave you the run-up to the bye. Bet him to win the division, Danny. What Do is it? it? What is it? I'll pull well, it what, if, well, I'll pull it up right now. Do you want to guess what the order is? Best odds to worst odds to win the AFC South right now after four weeks. Jacksonville. Man, you're thinking hard. Yeah. Jacksonville. Tennessee, Houston, Indy. Or Indy, Houston. Yep, that order's right. Jacksonville plus 150. Tennessee, Tennessee. plus 210. Indy plus 430. Houston plus 460. I don't think that those two teams at the bottom should be that far back. Okay, so right yeah, now. explain. Like, listen, listen to this schedule for Indy. And they're going to get Jonathan Taylor back at some point. Tennessee at home, in Jacksonville, home against Cleveland, home against New Orleans, in Carolina, in New England, bye, home against Tampa, in Tennessee, in Cincy, home against Pittsburgh, in Atlanta, home against Vegas, home against Houston. Danny, what are their odds to win the division if they beat the Titans at home and the Bills beat the Jags on Sunday? They're not plus 430 on Monday morning. No, they're the probably they're probably plus 230. Right. Plus 200. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, that that might be a bet actually. Like it like cuz Richardson looks really good. And if something happens to him, it's not like the backup kills you either. Right, as long as it's a yeah. Huh. Dude, they don't have a good team. They, they, they don't have a top 10 team in the NFL. You my interest here, man. I think we might have to make that a show bet, the Colts to win the division. I really do, at plus 430. I mean, are you reading this the same way as me? They don't yes. play a top 10 team in the NFL the rest yes. of the year? Yes. Huh. Uh, Bengals-Cardinals, last one. Does Joe Burrow snap out of his funk this week? Uh, is that defined as like 300 plus yards, multiple touchdowns, double digit win? Yeah. Um, no. Oh man. I I just I don't buy that he's 100 percent healthy. Uh, there's the T Higgins situation. They're on the road. The Cardinals have been feisty, and this line, like if I would have told you four weeks ago before the season. And I don't know what the look-ahead line was like for this game, but what do you think it was? Cincy at Arizona before week one. It would have been – I know what it was. You do? Yeah. It was eight and a half. Eight and a half. See, I was going to guess seven and a half, and it was eight and a half. And now it's three. Yep. So I I don't don't think that they – I need I need to see them look good, and there's nothing that is trending towards them looking good. Totally agree. The one thing I'll say about uh, the Bengals here is that when the Rams game felt like a playoff game, he didn't play great, but the defense stepped up and won them the game. I have a feeling the same thing will happen in this game. At some point, I think Josh Dobbs is going to remember that he's – a journeyman third string quarterback in his run of like 
mistake-free football is going to end. I think he's going to throw multiple interceptions in this game. I think Cincinnati will win, but I don't know. So I'm going to answer the question too. I don't think he will because I don't think he'll have to. I think the I think the rest of the team is going to lift him up in this game, and he'll just have to manage a game for them, which is what you know at this point he needs that. They got to run the ball more, I think, in Cincinnati, even though they shouldn't. You don't want you don't want to do that if you're the Bengals because of what you paid Joe Burrow and the receivers you have. But the T Higgins thing is also fair to bring up and. At this point, by any means necessary, if you're the Bengals. So, all right, bro. We've got we've got teams on by. This is the first time where the slate can get a little dicey, but we got we got good games in each window this week, and we've got an early game. So, uh, hopefully, we get good games because this is when you start to get only like a few games in the late afternoon window, and red zone can get a little dicey. So, we need games to stay close. So, we've got a good 14 hours of football on Sunday. Uh, thanks to Mike for filling in for Spencer. We hope Spencer feels better. Tell a friend, watch us on YouTube, share the clips, tell people about the pod. First and pod. Peace. <laughs>